No one ever saw this coming, but here we are, bonded forever by the same ex-husband. Once arch enemies and now partners in crime, we journey to the edge of sanity to uncover the dark truth about our ex-husband. My name is Athena. And I'm Amber. And we are the creators of X-Wives Undercover. This podcast is based on real-life events that are portrayed to the best of Athena and Amber's memory and also backed by court records and other factual evidence. While all the stories in the podcast are true, some names and identifying details have been changed to protect the privacy of the people involved. Season 1, Episode 31, Borderline Everything happened in a whirlwind, and before I knew it, I was tentatively back together with Ben trying to save our marriage, and more importantly, getting him psychological help. I had no idea how I would tell my family and friends the news. I knew that they would be so disappointed in me. Hell, I was disappointed in myself. I knew better. I have to admit, in my heart of hearts, I knew it wasn't going to work out. The lease on our house was up in just a few short months, and I needed that time to get my ducks in a row. Ben and Sydney followed me back to Portland, and upon Ben's insistence, we single-handedly moved all of our belongings from storage back into our home in Hillsborough. All I could think of was how incredibly mortified and ashamed I was. It felt so disrespectful to my friends after they had put aside everything during the busy holiday season to help me in my time of need. And here I was, falling back into this never-ending, toxic, and mentally abusive relationship. The only saving grace was that I started tracking everything in an online journal. I needed to physically see how everything was going and be able to look back on it and reflect when I needed to. I didn't want to let any more time go by than necessary and lose another five years if things weren't going to work. Ben was also made very clear what my plan was. And each day, I would write down my innermost thoughts and give the day a rating. Red being horrible, green was good, and yellow was somewhere in the middle. You're back in it to win it. Um, I don't know if I was going to win it. I was reluctantly like, fuck. Yeah. Here we go. I don't want to do this, but okay. I remember the journal. Yes. And you know what? Thank God for this journal because we needed it in our court. We did. It it was an online journal. I recommend it to everybody going through something because it'll erase your day, red, yellow, or green every single day. And there's a lot of red going on. And it just, it's, I'm a visual person. So when you look at your month, like how's the month? Cause I told him, I said, listen, we have until the end of April on our house. So that's how long you have to prove to me that you're getting therapy. Your ass is all the way down here in Oregon. We're having a fresh start. If you can't do it, then I'm done. There was a lot to do. The first being to schedule an appointment for Ben and me to visit his physician. It was imperative to find answers for his horrible and erratic behavior as well as start therapy. We also needed to talk with Athena and Chris about Ben's impending move to Portland and the new long-distance parenting plan that needed to be created. I have to say, Around the same exact time period, which was late 2018, early 2019, there was a new show on TV called Dirty John, and I vividly remember my sister telling me all about it. I watched a couple of episodes, 
And it was at this moment where things started to click for me. I had never, ever even heard about narcissism or even any of those common terms we use today. I couldn't get enough and I binge watched obsessively. This was all new to me, but when Ben began posting a tribute of photos on his social media of the two of us, I remember thinking, oh, so this is love bombing. I was dumbfounded. I couldn't believe or understand that someone would actually say things that they didn't mean. It was all fake, and that was a very, very tough pill to swallow. In addition to all the social media pictures that Ben posted, he also posted a very long and public apology to me for all of his friends and family to see. It read, I know there's a lot of people who have been through a similar experience that I'm going through. I also know that most men won't go public like I have, but I need to hold myself accountable and continue to do so. Today probably couldn't be any more difficult for me, and I've already put myself on blast regarding my childhood traumas and my mistakes with my wife for everyone to judge. So... I guess today is just another day in my journey of self-discovery and growing as a person, man, son, husband, and father. Between a few church visits, hard conversations, counseling, self-reflection, and a doctor's visit, I'm discovering things about myself that I haven't yet discovered in my 40 years of life. Some of these things are in my control, and some things are out of my control. Now that my eyes have been opened, I can only worry about the things that are within my control. I control my actions, how I treat others, staying positive and being the best version of myself that I can be in this lifetime. It's interesting to see who really cares when times get tough and who vanishes. Most importantly, I'm going to continue to fight for my wife and our marriage. Trials and tribulations happen and can only make you stronger. I pray that my wife and I make it through stronger than we ever were. I will stay strong and show my love. I'm lucky to have my wife along with her love and support. She is amazing. I love this woman to the moon and back. Through thick and thin, I'll work for us and keep the faith. Chapter 2 is just beginning, and the best is yet to come. Ah, well, wasn't that the biggest crock of shit? That right there is the epitome of manipulation and narcissistic abuse. You see, Ben will do and say anything, and I mean anything, to get what he wants. It talks about being accountable, but yet he blames it on his childhood. And and then he even says, like, I also know most men won't go public like I have. It's just like he wants And you're praise. patting yourself on the back. Yeah. Yes. He wants this praise and my, you know, my childhood struggles and my mistakes. And, oh, he throws in a few church visits. He's oh. really painting this manipulation. Oh. And the Bible the public- verses. Oh, yeah. Win the public approval of I, I'm a horrible person. And then he ends it with, I'm lucky to have my wife. Um, She's amazing. I love her to the moon and back and through thick and thin. And I will work for us. And chapter two is just beginning. All while he was wooing Avery back at the same time. I know. So did he have her blocked or what? So she couldn't see it? It was private. Oh, my God. It was private. So she wasn't um, privy to any of his social media accounts. She didn't even know they existed. His real ones. 
She only saw the fake one he created on Facebook. The conversation with Athena and Chris went as well as it could under the circumstances. I'm sure she wanted to shake me and yell, what the hell are you doing? But she didn't. She didn't say a word. She didn't make me feel like an idiot for staying either. Athena had already walked this very walk before with Ben, and she knew that I was already internally beating myself up over this decision. Only she and I knew the depths of despair you find yourself in when dealing with someone like Ben. I flew to Seattle after the holiday weekend to attend Ben's doctor appointment. And joining him in the patient room, we discussed everything, including that Ben had previously been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Because I was with him, I could accurately describe all the events and behaviors I had been witness to all these years, including the suicide threats, lying, impulsive behavior, and so much more. I had even done my own research beforehand and asked the doctor about a possible personality disorder, and she agreed. Her recommendation was to follow up with her colleague the next day to confirm the diagnosis and start treatment. I had to fly back to Portland that day, but Ben and the doctor called me the following afternoon and confirmed that he had borderline personality disorder and PTSD, and that he should get signed up for extensive inpatient or outpatient therapy right away. Is there something more to this? Like, I'm trying to research bipolar, and so I'm typing in just suicide and lying and all these things. What is this? And I sent him a message. I go, do you think maybe you have borderline? And he's like, oh my God, totally. Like everything, everything on the list. I don't know what that is per se, but like maybe we can talk to her about it. And so that was where, you know, me being in the room, I could tell her the symptoms and be truthful and honest about what the fuck was going on. Because he didn't even tell her about the suicide stuff. And that was huge. I've been dealing with suicide attempts or threatens threatening um for five years and that's huge he was quiet and I just was like he does this and this and this and over the years this is what I've experienced and she kind of was like oh boy oh boy okay well we need to get you we need to get you a proper diagnosis and so can you only imagine um, if we knew what we know now I mean we only you guys had only told the doctor what you knew at that time there was so much more that I wonder, I mean, I talk about it, um, in my part too, but like, what, what would that diagnose been sociopath and not, or antisocial and not, or what is, I mean, he's got both clearly, but wow. I didn't know anything about borderline personality disorder, but the more I read, the more terrified I became. Borderline is part of the cluster B family of disorders, including antisocial, histrionic, and narcissistic personality disorder, and oftentimes people have overlapping characteristics as well. The doctor was very positive, though, when I talked to her and assured me that we could expect a full recovery from Ben. She didn't give me any indication that I should be worried at all. But little did I know, it wasn't going to be that easy. Do you remember the conversation in your kitchen when I came home and said he was diagnosed with borderline and what you told me? Yes, I told you to run. <laughs> did you I, know what borderline was? Because I didn't really understand I it. did. Do you remember? I have a sister-in-law. No, I guess I take it back. 
she has got uh, bipolar. When you told us what you know he had, what the diagnosis was, and there isn't any medication because at least with my sister-in-law, there's medication. Mm-hmm. And you said that there isn't any really any medication. It's it they get help through therapy. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh boy, you better run because it's never gonna. He's never gonna go get the therapy he probably needs. You know, yeah. I'm sure people improve with it if they really stick to the therapy. But I mean, we're we're talking. What did they say? Two to three times a week, two hours at a time. Yeah, they said he was going to need inpatient therapy. And the one doctor said it could take up to ten years. Yes. For like, and this is a person that didn't want to believe he had anything, and so I'm thinking that's why I just made this assessment. I guess that you might as well just go because he's not going to get the therapy, or not for long. I mean, that's that's a lifetime commitment of therapy to improve his life I and mean, to get better and I just thought, oh no, we need to run. By that, by then, I just, I didn't want to give therapy a chance, I guess. I just No. By then. I, I honestly just, didn't either. And I only lasted three weeks um, before I finally was like, you know, no. I, I remember you were a little offended at that. Mm-hmm. that don't he, everybody deserves a chance to get better, but I guess just through things that have happened in the family I just thought oh I just don't think he's going to get better I just you know that's a big commitment a lot of money and it's a stigma I don't think he wanted to have so I just don't think he's going to go through and go through the therapy that it would take and I thought you've already put enough years in I'm just tired of watching the merry-go-round oh yeah I want off the merry-go-round why do you think I was so weak though in taking him back I don't know. I, I don't know. You, I, but you have, I mean, you've always never given up. You just don't give up. You just, you won't. You just keep, keep trying to make it work. I mean, if anything, you just stay too long, you know, before you throw in the towel. You know, some people don't probably try hard enough. I think you try too hard. And just, yeah. I used to always tell people, like, I needed to know without a shadow of a doubt that I did literally everything I could to make that relationship work. And I could walk away feeling good that I I put in mm-hmm. and gave him as much chance. I mean, that's oh, probably not it, the right thing, it, right? But it's like, I think hopefully in the future, if you would, you know, know when to give up on certain things and when to you know stay know when to fold and what's that one song <laughs> oh okay. you gotta know <laughs> what's the country song <laughs> kenny rogers yeah kenny rogers. know when to fold them yeah. uh yeah i, I think, think it's just like i would go against my instincts i felt everything you guys did i i felt the red flags i saw the red flags i just continue to give him the benefit of the doubt because I couldn't handle someone crying. Like, how do you cry? Like, how could that be fake? Like he seems so remorseful and he seems so genuine. I also think think pride gets in the way too, because you do not want to give up. You do not want, you want to prove that you didn't make the wrong choice in here. Oh yeah, totally. Prove to yourself and everybody else that I didn't make a bad choice. I know. 
So you're and I was wanting him. I, I pretty much was like begging him, please prove yeah. everyone wrong. Please, please yeah. show them that you're not a liar and you're not a fraud and you're, you're not a cheat. I think you know? that's... Begging you. It's the, also the pride in you not to give up or not to... You know, you wanted to prove to yourself and everybody else that he is a good person. And, um, you know. But that's the thing, too, is he does have good qualities, mm -hmm. but it's the behavior. And you can respect that, yes, people have good and bad, but mm -hmm. I can't hang on to those tiny little good qualities when all the rest is bad. After a few phone calls and text exchanges, Amber, Ben, Chris, and I had come to an agreement regarding a temporary child support increase now that Sydney would be with us full-time. And although Ben and Amber notified us on our group text thread that he would be attending treatment down in Oregon, Ben followed up with a private text message to me that contradicted the previous statement. Ben told me that he might do treatment in Tacoma instead of Oregon, and he just wasn't sure which facility could get him in the quickest. Even then, I could tell that Ben was up to something by the way he was being so wishy-washy. I understood that he needed to find a place that his insurance covered as well as a place that had an opening for him. Yet, still, while knowing all of those things, I knew how Ben operated and I knew Ben was trying to buy more time before enrolling in this intensive outpatient treatment. But why? He kept telling me that I don't think we can get in down here. And at that point, I had had that drafted in to the agreement um, mm -hmm. when I was coming up with that new parenting plan to keep uh, Sydney protected. Uh, so he had to complete all of that before he could start having, you know, move into his his visits with her. He at least had to start the process. So I'm just like, I'd sent him information on a couple that even the attorney, uh, my family law attorney was nice enough to come up with mm -hmm. um, that she had experienced with her other cases that were recognized. And then he kept bringing this one up to Tacoma and I kept thinking, okay, you know. Interesting, that's where Avery lives. Uh-huh. <laughs> so the back of my really? mind, I just didn't trust it 100%. And then he would be, you know, he's so like, keep it to the, to the group text, Athena. Everything you text Amber on the side, I read. I'm like, cool, I already know that. But then at the same time, he would send me those private texts. And I, every yeah. time he does that, I know you're being sneaky. Thankfully, Amber kept Chris and I in the loop regarding the steps Ben was taking to get an updated mental health diagnosis, as well as getting on medication that could possibly help him. We all messaged back and forth the day of his doctor appointment and Ben shared his diagnosis of borderline personality disorder with us. I was glad that he was finally being honest with the doctor so that he could get the help he truly needed. But I also knew that this was finally all actually really happening because Amber was there. I knew she would hold him accountable and not let him lie to the doctor about what was really going on. The crazy part is that we had only uncovered a tiny bit of the craziness at that point. And I wonder if the doctor would have diagnosed him as a sociopath right then and there if he knew all the things that we were going to discover shortly thereafter. And although Amber was doing her part to stand by Ben's side, I still felt like I could trust her. She tried to keep the peace between Ben and I during the few heated discussions, but she never stuck up for him or sugarcoated anything. And he would just go off on me. And he'd say, so Athena, what I think he's trying to say <laughs> I was trying is, to be the mediator. And, it was and so, so awful. what if we do this? Oops. I like, was noticing this instead. behavior getting worse and more erratic and crazy. You are ruining it for yourself. Do you understand? Do you even see what you're doing? 
you did some horrible things and you should be on your A game right now dealing Thank with your you. ex-wife That's who's exactly trying to your child and you are yeah. killing yourself. You're shooting yourself in the foot with your behavior. It's insane. I was also curious how the visit would go with Ben's mother later that evening. Ben was still trying to carry on with the rape story and other lies, but I knew that Amber was ready to lay everything out on the table for his mother to confirm or deny. So when I reached out to Amber the following day to get the lowdown about how she found out the truth regarding Avery staying the night there at his mother's home, Ben's fake rape story being a complete lie, and the many other lies he had told her, Amber's response was shocking. She told me that his mother confirmed that Avery had never stayed the night at her home with Ben and that she believed that her poor innocent son had been raped, if that's what he's telling her. Say what? I know I had just met Avery, but I didn't believe that she was lying about staying at his mother's house. Therefore, that only meant his mother was covering Ben's ass as always. Shocker. We called and gave Athena the news and agreed to meet in Forks that Friday to sit down and tell his mom everything. And when I got there, she was in tears. It turns out that Ben had dumped a ton of information before I arrived to catch her up on all the lies he'd been telling me for the last five years. This included being raped and having cancer. As you can imagine, his mom was in complete disbelief. The look of surprise on her face told me everything I needed to know not to mention something she said that did not sit well with me. She said, I knew you would eventually have to choose between the two. What the fuck was that supposed to mean? She was referring to me and Avery. I could feel myself growing hot with anger. Had she known all along that Ben was cheating on me? She was in tears. She was, you could tell she had just got the worst news of her life. And she was devastated. She was bawling. And I'm like, what's going on? And she's just, she kept hugging him. And I'm so sorry. What did you just tell her? Like he clearly got there before me. He dumped everything. He told her, mom, I had leukemia, but I'm okay now. (laughs) Um, I was raped, you know, Opal. Oh my God. He lied to her about the leukemia thing. Yes. (gasps) That was the first time she ever heard that her child had cancer. And he was just saying he hid it from her. But he had to tell her before I got there. Otherwise, I was going to blurt it out. Oh, my God. He's such a dick. He was. Yes. He preempted me before I got there and kind of caught her up to speed. He was getting pissed at me as I'm just telling her, honestly, what's going on? And I could tell he was flaming mad. So. Which was the whole point for going there. Yes. And when it's happening, he's like freaking out, making me feel like the bad guy, which he's great at. While still fuming, I received a text message from my friend that said that she had reached out to Avery. She proceeded to tell me that Ben was trying to get back with Avery and sending multiple flower arrangements while also trying to win me back. Ben, of course, played it off and quickly showed me his bank account to prove that he did not buy Avery flowers and that she was crazy and delusional and would do anything in her power to break us up. That night, I recorded the first of many, many red, sad faces in my journal. It said, I'm more confused than ever about whether I'm doing the right thing. Hopefully he gets better. What a mess. Ben declared to the world of his commitment to making our marriage work, and that meant moving to Oregon for real this time. He had put in his 30-day notice, allegedly, at the townhouse, 
and I was living with him in Seattle until then. At this point, Athena had gotten an emergency court order to remove Sydney from his care until he sought treatment and was only allowed monitored phone calls with her. Things were about to spiral out of control in the worst possible way. Here's one of my entries from my journal. Counseling went horrible. Before we even stepped into the room, Ben pretty much asked me not to tell her details. And when I did, he completely freaked out in front of her. He takes zero responsibility. This is going to be a long journey. And then later that night, I wrote, Ben called Sydney tonight without being monitored and Athena freaked out and hung up on him. He flipped a fucking switch threatening to kill her. He has no emotional regulation and I'm scared. While the first week in January was stressful and uncertain, the second week was even worse. You guys also went to marriage counseling and I got there, I ended up leaving in tears. Pretty much on the drive over, he's telling me, don't say anything. It's none of her business, all this stuff. But of course, as we're in there, I'm like, how is she supposed to help us if you're not even being honest? So I start blurbing out. Did you know he moved to Oregon? Did you know he cheated on me? Did you know he has borderline? Did you know this, that he said he was raped? Did you know this? And she's just like, oh no, I didn't know anything. But I'm telling you, it didn't matter what I told her. She demonized me and said that I'm a bad person basically for not supporting my husband. Did you not hear what I just said? Like what he put me through? And I'm supposed to just ignore it and take him back and let him continually do this to me? And didn't she admit that she had BPD she, too? Yes, she did. Uh, She's like, I have borderline again. too and I'm cured. He needs, he's, yeah. a, he's a nut job. And every single night I'd write in my journal about his crazy behavior and it's getting worse and worse and worse. We were officially 10 days into the new year when Sydney came into my bedroom and told me she needed to tell me something. She had been extremely upset that her father was moving to Oregon. She felt betrayed by him. Ben had always promised Sydney that no matter what, he would never move to Oregon. And most of Ben's lies and manipulation tactics were based on that storyline. He would tell Sydney that she was the most important thing to him in the world. And he only did the things he did with the other woman was because Amber was always trying to force him to move down there away from Sydney. As usual, Ben tried to justify his actions by blaming innocent people. But regardless, Sydney was hurt and she was angry. And her way of retaliating was to tell me something that would most definitely get her father into a lot of trouble. I sat Sydney down and I told her that I was very happy that she was coming to me and that it was good that she does not hold anything in anymore. I held her hands as she began to explain to me that she was really angry that her dad was moving to Oregon. She then continued to tell me how it didn't even really make very much sense to her because only a few weeks ago, he confirmed that he 100% would not be moving down there. And that is why they had spent Christmas with Avery. I looked at Sydney and I told myself not to react. I tried to cover my mouth with my hand as if I could actually hide my jaw that had dropped to the floor. There was shock written all over my face and there was no way I could hide it. So I continued to talk calmly to her and I asked her a few questions. I also reminded her that she and I had spoken to one another off and on that day and how could she have been at Avery's home when I knew she was at her grandmother's house? Sydney went on to explain that actually Avery was there with them at her grandma's house and then later that evening, They went back to Avery's home where she slept in her bedroom there that night. 
Sydney then grabs her cell phone to show me pictures of her in the bedroom that, that Avery had decorated specifically for her. And she also showed me all of her new Christmas gifts. In the photos, I noticed the red velvet Santa Claus present bag. Sydney had come home with Christmas gifts for everyone in the family Christmas day after being with her father earlier that morning. When I pointed out the bag and said, is this the bag you brought home to our house? Sydney confessed that Avery was the one who actually picked out all of those gifts for us so that she had presents to give everyone in the family. Once again, I was speechless. I hugged Sydney and I told her that I loved her and that I was so proud of her for telling me the truth. Deep down, I knew the real reason she told me was because she was on a mission to sabotage her father from moving down to Oregon. But regardless of the reason, I knew I had to make a decision to tell Amber what I'd just found out. I honestly felt like I was breathing fire at that moment. I could feel my face turn red and hot after Sydney left my bedroom. After everything Ben had done to Sydney, and after all of the apologies and the promises that he would never put her in a situation to lie regarding him being with multiple women, cheating, etc., he decided to do whatever the fuck he wanted to once again for his own personal gain. What a selfish prick. I had had it with this man. I knew I needed to compose myself and then reach out to Amber and tell her. What if she already knew? I mean, she had spent the week after Christmas with him and maybe he had come clean then. I wasn't sure. Regardless, Ben had lied to me. He pretended he was the one that bought us all those Christmas presents and I was not going to let him get away with this. Not anymore. I called Amber that evening and I told her everything. I could tell she was disgusted, hurt, and angry. Amber was going to call Ben out right then and there. You were more pissed off than I was. I think I was just in shock going, you've got to be kidding. You know, honestly, I felt just as betrayed by Avery than I did by him. She should know better. Like, what is wrong with you? I was, I felt betrayed by both. Now, because I've healed and I've forgave and I understand where she was coming from at the time I did not and so I just felt betrayed and very hurt that I got backstabbed by her and I got backstabbed by him and I was pissed I was just pissed and I I wanted to be mad at someone and I didn't have the capacity to understand where she was coming from or even care where she was coming from I didn't care what he was telling her I was just like mad and I mean I expected it of him I didn't expect it of her she seemed like a really nice genuine kind caring loving person when I had spoke to her so I was like oh and man pissed. I got I got and you wrong fuming, too yeah and that she was where's your moral pissed. standards yeah and she was done 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 and so yes aggressive about putting out those very factual statements like I am done so I was shocked too but I will say I would talk and text to her regularly separately from you and um i was i was like trying to warn both of you at the same time but in my past i already always know that you guys were just gonna have to you were the wife you were helping him go through these things that would benefit me and sydney and maybe he could get better so i was shocked too that she would allow that you were the only one that told me, man, you know, you just get everything flooded at you. And I think I just felt so stuck in the situation. I'm up to my freaking eyebrows in this mess. And then I find out that, and I just remember feeling like, man, everyone lied to me, everyone, all these people, Avery herself. I'm like, she has my direct phone number. If you had a question about whether me and him were 
getting back together as most married couples do before it's finally over. Why didn't you reach out to me? Why didn't you have the decency to any of you, any of us? And you were the only one that just said, hey, you need to know. And I respected that immensely. And that's how I knew I could trust you. Athena felt like she needed to reach out to Avery herself and see if her suspicions were correct. So on January 3rd, Athena sent Avery a text message, but Avery didn't respond. Athena decided to try and reach her on Facebook Messenger, just in case Ben had Avery block Athena. The message reads as follows. Hi Avery, this is Athena, Sydney's mom. Amber gave me your number to reach out to you, but I never heard back from you after I sent you a text message. If you aren't comfortable talking to me, that's totally fine. I just had a few questions for you. I need to make sure Sydney isn't put in a position to have to lie and hide relationships like she has been doing for a while now. Thanks, Athena. Ava responds the same day. Her response reads, Hi, Athena. I'm sorry I did not respond. I guess I don't really know what to say, but I understand your need to make sure that your daughter is safe. As far as I know, Ben and Amber are getting divorced and Sydney has not been around her in recent and has only been around her a very minimal amount of time since they were even married. He loves Sydney very much and has always been an excellent father to her when I've been around them. I don't want to get involved in the he said, she said battle between Ben and Amber because I know divorce is ugly and it brings out the worst in everyone. All I know is Sydney's a very special little girl. I love her and I have faith that Ben is being a good dad and would never put her in a bad situation. I do know in life, we can always make better decisions and be better people in general. As for me, I'm trying to put this drama behind me and I hope everyone can move forward from this. Thank you for reaching out and I'm sorry it took so long for me to respond. Athena was not surprised by Avery's response. She knew that Ben was a master manipulator and that he had brainwashed Avery with a completely false story. Athena's response back to Avery reads, Avery, I completely understand your reasoning to distance yourself. It's a lot of drama and heartache. Ben has had Sydney lying to Amber and myself about having a relationship with you. Sydney was holding all of this inside knowing it was wrong. Sydney has been put on anxiety medication since last year because of all of this. Ben begged Amber to stay and work on things. And they called us and we had a very big discussion where they let my husband and I know that they were going to work things out together. And this was just last week. Also, Sydney has been with Amber almost every other weekend for the last year and even more than that prior to her moving back to Oregon. I'm sure you were given another story though. Thank you again for responding to me. I really do appreciate it. Athena. If you were going to continue talking to my husband, I felt like she would come to me and tell me and be honest, but she didn't necessarily. Right. And so then I felt betrayed by her. So then yeah. it stirs up your anger. So when I took him yes. back, I'm under the impression that this woman was no longer in the picture. And if she was in the picture, then she had my number and she sure as hell could reach out to me and give me a heads up um, and let me know and be respectful instead of doing shit behind my back. 
And so now that I know kind of how things were transpiring, it does kind of feel me all over again. Like, oh, that makes me so mad. Avery was beyond pissed to hear the news of Ben and Amber back together. Avery decided that she had nothing to lose and she began to send Athena recent pictures of her, Ben, and Sydney together on Christmas. Avery also admits to Athena that her and Ben had a big talk and that they too had decided to work things out and move forward together. Next, Avery admits that he has been sleeping over at her house. Feeling shocked by this information, Athena now knows that her suspicions were confirmed. Ben had convinced Avery that Amber took all of Ben's things out of storage and put it at her house. Then he told her he was only trying to be nice by co-signing for a house for Amber because she could not get it herself and he felt horrible because he had just told Amber that he was actually still in love with Avery. Athena was once again the bearer of bad news and told Avery that Amber and Ben had just spent New Year's Eve together at their home in Oregon. Avery was beside herself. She had remembered that Ben had started a fight with her the day before New Year's Eve regarding a comment she had made. Things became very clear to her. It was all a setup so that Ben could have an excuse to be with his wife instead. Avery and Athena went back and forth until most of Ben's lies had been exposed. Avery's mind was in overdrive as she tried to process all of this information. She was absolutely devastated. Athena broke the news to me that she found out that Ben had taken Avery to his family's home for Christmas. <laughs> Shocked was an understatement. I felt so blindsided and never in a million years saw that coming. How did not one person, not one, tell me? I had just sat across from his mom the week prior when she could have said something, but she didn't. I had just cried with Sydney as well, and she also kept his secret. Avery had my personal phone number and was welcome to reach out to me at any point, and she didn't. They all chose to keep it from me. I felt like a fool, but so incredibly thankful that Athena respected me enough to tell me the truth. But now I was up to my ears in Ben's mess, and all he could say for himself was that he was sick back then, and now he's seeking treatment. He wasn't in love with her and never had been. Avery was just a band-aid for the turmoil he was going through. Here's more journal entries of mine. I told Ben that I'm done. He obviously is cheating with me with Avery still. He lost his shit and went into a rage, throwing his medications across the room. I'm just fucking done. I give up. And later that night, another blowout screaming match. He tackled me on the bed, trying to get my phone so I couldn't call Avery. He's fucking crazy. I have zero hope he'll ever get better. It would be a damn miracle. And the following day, I wrote, He's fucking nuts. I've never seen anything like this. He's beyond fucking crazy. I went back on Bumble, so I'm sure he's going to lose his shit. He's probably going to kill me or something. I don't put anything past him these days. He needs to be committed. I deserve to know. Your, you, your behavior is insane. Yes. You are so mentally out there right now. I've never seen you behave this way, threatening to kill people. Yep. Um, and especially, it was really the minute you took Sydney away and that he couldn't have physical contact with her and had to be monitored, he lost his shit. He agreed and signed off on that temporary parenting plan. Mm-hmm. He agreed because he knew that he he was playing a role so he could get you back, I'm sure. Yes. 
I'll yes. do anything. And you would say, these things are messed up and he'd have to admit it. But really once he knew things were getting rocky, he started getting angry at the rules that he yeah. had to follow regarding her. He did not want to follow rules by you. He did not want to follow rules by me. I just remember Boogie being cowered on the side of the bed, scared to death, shivering, shaking, Aww. because this big, huge man is on top of me. It was insane. And I remember somehow getting off the bed and trying to run to the bathroom. I, I didn't make it in time and he wouldn't let me close the door of the bathroom. So I'm cornered. And so I remember just screaming and I remember holding up my phone going, I'm calling 911. If you don't get out right now, I'm calling 911. Like, I don't know what he was going to do that night. No. I just remember being scared enough because I'd never seen him like that. When he tackled me the first time, I wasn't so much scared as I was just pissed and shocked, <laughs> shocked pissed, and angry. fighting back and like, uh, whatever. This time I was scared. Because now like you're uncovering he, who he really is. Scared. And I remember like, I have to get my dog. He's like, I don't know if he's going to hurt my dog or whatever. And yeah. I don't know if he's going to hurt me. And I can't, I'm cornered in a bathroom upstairs. And so all I could do is hold my phone and threaten to call 911. I knew that Ben would plot, scheme, and manipulate his way out of trouble with Amber after she had found out that he was with Avery on Christmas with Sydney. Thankfully, Amber's eyes were wide open, and she was not letting him pull the wool over her eyes anymore. She did, however, continue to attend the doctor's appointments with Ben to make sure he attended them, as well as to get the real information about Ben's condition straight from the doctor's mouth. We both knew Ben could not be trusted to tell the truth. I could also sense that Ben wasn't following through with the things he promised to do to gain Amber's trust back. For instance, Ben was supposed to put a location tracker on his vehicle so that Amber could check and see that he was really where he said he was. In my opinion, after everything he had done and all of the lies he had told her, I didn't blame her for wanting that. But I also knew that that was no kind of life to live, and I knew how stressful and hard this all was for her. After Ben continuously made excuses as to why he couldn't get the device installed, I knew he was up to something, and I believe that Amber did too. Ben, Amber, Chris, and I had a conference call scheduled around 6 p.m. a few days later. Amber and I joined with Chris on speakerphone. Amber told me that Ben must be running a few minutes behind at his chiropractic appointment. So as we waited for Ben to arrive and join us on the call, I received a private text from Ben asking if we could reschedule the call. I read it aloud to Amber and she was baffled. She said that he wasn't even returning her text or calls and something was definitely up. We all knew that Ben was up to something. I immediately thought he was with Avery and so I gently asked Amber if that was possible. Amber didn't think he would have the audacity to drive from Oregon to Washington in that short amount of time even to pull that off. So, Amber got in her car and she drove to where he said he was. But Ben was nowhere to be found. The following day, Ben called me singing a brand new tune. He put on his sad, poor me facade and began to tell me that he knew now that he had made a big mistake and that he should have chosen Avery and not Amber. He then admitted that he actually did drive to Tacoma to win Avery back the night before. I was dumbfounded. Sadly, I knew that Ben wouldn't be able to follow through on his promises to do right by his wife and make the necessary changes that he swore he would do in order to regain Amber's trust back. Amber wasn't going to be manipulated by Ben anymore, and he knew it. It was simply too hard for Ben to be a good human. So he did what he does best, and he ran back to Avery, hoping to manipulate her. 
I told Ben that I was disgusted by his actions and that I was not going to lie to Amber about anything. He informed me that he was talking to her right then and there about Avery and that they really felt that they were both equally done. I knew that probably wasn't the exact truth and of course that was absolutely confirmed hours later that evening when I received a call from Amber. She was on fire as she told me what had just gone down between them. Once again, I was in complete shock. Avery's attempts to distance herself from Ben became extremely challenging. Ben continued relentlessly to pursue Avery and try to win her back, all while working on his marriage. It was obvious that he could not handle the pressure of being a good husband and follow through on his marital promises to Amber. Once again, Ben was up to no good. On January 21st, Ben was waiting at Avery's home when she returned home from work. He explained that he had made a huge mistake with Amber and that he only wanted to be with Avery and that he had even told Athena how he was feeling. He also told Avery that he was on a new medication and he was thinking very clearly now. She was happy that Ben was getting help so that he could recover from his mental and physical abuse that he endured by a sick monster of a stepdad. I know she was really upset because she had formed a bond with Sydney too. Um, no matter if it was a little bit of time or a lot of time or how much time it was, um, you know, he had promised her a life and maybe in her future, you know, what do you call that? That you future faking, not future, future faking. faking. She, she had really formed this idea and found love with this idea that she would spend a lot of time at her house and this bedroom was being made for her and yeah, have a child. And so maybe even though some of um, the things that were happening were a on a consistent basis. I think we fall in love with the idea. It's pain I think at pain. that point, she was very in love with the idea of what was going to happen. And it was yeah. crushing. Well, yeah. And it doesn't matter if you spend very much time, like you said, with him or not. She, she very much sold herself and she fell in love with the idea. And, and pain is pain, no matter what. Or if it's my pain or your pain or her pain, it's pain and it hurts and it sucks. And you feel betrayed and devastated by this person that you had built up in your head so much and so high. She put him on a pedestal and thought this was a dream man. And then he's just continually lying. So it sucks all around. I know. At this point, Avery is torn and doesn't want to believe Ben. She decides to ask Athena if there's any truth to this. Athena responds and tells Avery that Ben had mentioned that he thinks that he made a mistake about who he chose but that Athena didn't believe anything he had said anymore. And after their conversation ended, Ben promptly contacted Athena and told her that he did indeed want Avery back. Knowing that Ben would get exactly what he was after, Athena messages Avery the following morning and requests that if they do indeed move forward, that she encourages the prompt enrollment of Ben's DBT therapy for his borderline personality disorder. Sydney was everyone's priority at this time, and although all of the women were unsure about the future with Ben, they all knew that Ben getting mentally healthy was the best thing for his young, impressionable daughter. He was really erratic. Honestly, I, I don't think his brain was even kicking where he thought he was not going to get caught. It was very odd. It was very odd. I'm like, how he knew you know? that yeah. we talked on a daily yes, basis. And exactly. He still was like, I don't know if that's fight or flight mode. I don't know if it's desperation mode, mental illness yeah all combined i have i have no idea or was it's it just, just simply he's a narcissist and he thought he could get away with it 
Well, I mean, he did for so many years. He did. He really and he, did. And he continued to. So, exactly. So, so he's and, right in everything he yeah. did. Like, he's yeah. right, but he's right to think the way he did because he always got away with it because and, we allowed it. While all of this was transpiring, I was completely in the dark and nobody was telling me anything. I was led to believe by Ben that he was full steam ahead with moving to Oregon and working on our marriage. From the minute I agreed to work on things though, I knew something was so off and my patience was growing thinner and thinner. It all came to a head the last weekend of January. The month was coming to a close and Ben's lease was up on the townhouse. I began gathering up some boxes and removing things from the walls. Ben was of no help as usual. My gut instinct just knew something was up. And just as I expected, I was absolutely right. On the morning of Saturday, January 26th, I was packing up stuff and Ben came running into the living room and told me that our house in Hillsborough, Oregon had been robbed. He said for me to grab my purse because we have to leave immediately. Dumbfounded, I left everything and followed him to his truck and off we went, roaring down I-5 to get to Portland as fast as possible. I began asking questions and the more he spoke, the more suspicious I became. Ben said that our neighbors saw that our front door was wide open and called the police. I asked him if anything was taken and he just said he wasn't sure. How could the police go inside our house and not know if anything was stolen? And if we were robbed, wouldn't things be a mess and overturned? This just did not seem right, so I called my mom and I asked her to go over and check things out. In the meantime, I said that I wanted to speak to the police myself. Ben immediately volunteered to call from his phone and I just said, nope, I'll call myself and get the real story. This all just seemed too convenient given the fact that we were supposed to be packing up to move in just a couple of days. I called the non-emergency number and told them what happened and things began unfolding before my eyes. She explained to me that she literally just took the phone call about the door being open and dispatched the police officers to check things out. But here's the catch. They weren't even there yet, nor had concluded that our house was robbed. A few minutes later, my mom called. Amber, the door was locked when I got here. Did the burglars feel inclined to lock up when they left because nothing has been touched, she said. As she was speaking, I happened to glance in the back seat and saw my luggage. Ben was so in a hurry to get to our house in Oregon, yet he still had time to fully pack my belongings. Oh no, motherfucker, I see exactly what you did. I had just gone over there, um... What was I doing over there? I was doing something. You wanted me to go do something. And I went in and locked the house and went back home. And I don't even think I barely got home when I got a call that that somebody had broken the door. Oh, I know. The police said that the, the front door was open. The neighbor had called the police and said the door was left open. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, got, you guys called me and said, Mom. Did you leave? Did you leave the door open? I go, no, I don't think so. I mean, I I was sure I locked it. You know, I can't even remember why I had stopped over there. I know, I can't either. Or pick something up. But um, 
I remember shutting the door and locking it. But then you're telling me that the police were there and the door was open. And the neighborhood, you know, called the police, the door was open. So I remember driving back there because you just knew they were probably in there or see see if everything was the same, you know, looked normal in the house. And uh, the door was locked when I got there. I'm like, so did the burglar like go back and lock the door? No. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Nobody was there. No. The door locked just like I had left it. Well, you must have realized that I was picking up on something because I was driving yes. with Ben well, when I when you I, called me and you were on speaker and he heard. And okay. I remember you going, yeah, I'm in the house and it looks totally fine. And all of a sudden I look I, in the back seat and there's my suitcase. I was showing you, I was taking the phone. And oh, a FaceTime. Yeah. And showing you everything. I said, well, look, it looks pretty normal and the door's locked just like I left it. You know, the police were nowhere around because they didn't just go there and lock the door. I mean, there was nobody there. It was locked. There was nothing there. Nothing surprised me. I mean, after that, that last year and a half, two, two years, nothing surprised me. I mean, oh, so happy to be done with it. It felt so good. And then that's when like Avery freaking took over and I was like, get it, girl. You can have him. You can have him. I know. It was, we were very happy. Oh my gosh. I finally, yeah. It was all staged. Ben had created a fake emergency so that he didn't have to move. I had enough and I knew right then that I didn't need to see or hear any more. That was the last red sad face that I would ever be jotting down in my journal. It was over for good. It just so happened that I caught some of that very fight that we had while we were driving back to Oregon going 100 miles an hour. Here's a little sneak peek. Good old Benny boy lost his temper and threw a huge Red Bull onto the dash of his truck, getting it absolutely everywhere. No, I won't. You're acting like a crazy person. You're going to kill us. You're acting crazy. Well, I live with a psychopath. So, I hope to never see your face again. Good to get out of my truck. No. Hell no. No. You're going to drive me to Portland. And then you're going to get the fuck out of my life for good. I never want to see your ass again. Ever. I hope you're real fucking clear about that. So what happens when you throw shit? Just shut up. God. Yeah, keep recording. I Watch will. Watch how you show how you antagonize me nonstop. Well, I'm not the one that just threw fucking a Red Bull all over So what? Yeah, so what? Place, I spilled so. my fucking Red Bull. Good. Who cares? Oh, no, it wasn't spilled. You threw it. Who cares? I do, because you have anger problems and anger issues. Because you don't stop pressing me. Because you're a disrespectful human being. Uh, way to fucking talk nice and call me now that you have the camera on, man. <laughs> yeah, well. Too bad you were recording it before, huh? Oh, when you're Screaming throwing, nuts. when you're going through your tizzy fit, throwing shit. Here's proof of you throwing Just shit. Up. Yeah, that's anger issues. Yeah, we got that recorded. Good. Congratulations. I will. Pass it on over to Athena.
you're gonna try to ruin my life some more now, huh? Yep. You did it yourself. You're an unstable person. Really? You're gonna fucking ruin my life so I can't have land? Is that what you're gonna do? You did that yourself, man. Wow. You did that yourself. Wow. Yeah. You're fucking low, dude. You did it yourself. You're a sick human being. You're sick. Just stop. You stop. Need help. Just stop. Please. Just stop talking. God. You're a disgusting human being. Just stop with your fucking name calling, okay? Stop. Yeah, this is what I live with. Good. On Tuesday, January 29th, 2019, I filed for divorce from Ben. And the next day, Athena messaged me to say that she had learned about yet another woman Ben had been involved with. Her name was Anne, and she was from Norway. You've got to be kidding me. Next time on Ex-Wives Undercover. I just knew I did everything I could. No one everything. could ever tell me differently Never. that I didn't put enough effort into that marriage. I mean, when will we ever say that we're not shocked? I can't. It all is so fucking shocking, but it's Ben. So how are we always so surprised yeah. by the shit he does? If you were just honest and told right. me the truth, even if you fucked the neighbor, I would sit down and stay <laughs> just calm. Just tell me. Yeah. Yeah. But when you tell me these really far-fetched, like very far-fetched stories, my mind spins and then I get a little wild and crazy. Like then I'm like, doesn't add up. Doesn't make sense. Now I'm hounding yeah. you. She would say stuff like, my dad needs me. How is he yeah. going to make... He needs me to help him make good decisions. And, and it broke my heart. At that moment, as Sydney came forward with all this information, all of a sudden, for whatever reason, when I went to sleep that night, I remember waking up with an epiphany. I was like, it's worth me getting hacked at this point. Fuck it. <laughs> so I clicked on both and yeah. read the messages. And oh my gosh. Head spinning again. And once again, if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review and make sure to join our private Facebook group for even more juicy info. You can also find us on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And of course, you can always visit our site at www.xwivesundercover.com.